Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Becky Simmons, an associate professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and material science at Duke University. I'm joined with Raina, Sydney, Priya, and Richard, all undergraduate engineering students also at Duke University. In this episode, we talk with Professor Aaron Kyle. He discusses his journey to Duke, about design, and about all the amazing outreach that he does. Thank you for joining us. Priya and Raina, and we're here with Dr. Aaron Kyle, who's also my senior BME design professor. Um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. My name is Aaron Kyle. I'm a professor of practice in the Department of Biomedical Engineering here at Duke University. All right. Um, first, do you want to start us off with a little bit of your background, where you're from, um, where you've been before Duke, and how you ended up here? Sure. Uh, so I am uh, originally and mostly from Bellevue, Nebraska. Most My father was in the military, so we moved around a little bit as a kid, but most of my formative years were, were spent in Nebraska. Um, I, I had a bug for engineering pretty young. I, I can trace it back to maybe being eight or nine years old to wanting to be an engineer. And going up through elementary school and middle school is what really got me excited about potentially being a, a biomedical engineer, specifically in learning about kind of the, the cardiovascular system, how the heart works, how the heart is this electromechanical pump. Like that's the thing that really got me excited about biomedical engineering. So um, I did my undergraduate studies at a school called Kettering University, which is in Flint, Michigan. I'm, a, I'm from a couple of generations removed from you folks where there weren't as many BME undergraduate programs, although I'm pretty sure Duke was around and established at that time, but wasn't smart enough to get into Duke. But anyway, I, I went to a school called Kenner University, majored major in electrical engineering. I was a co-op student, so I was three months on, three months off in terms of kind of being in school and, and working an internship. And one of the things that I've learned and that I tell students all the time that almost as important as learning what you do like to do is learning what you don't like to do. And by being a, a co-op student, I learned that I did not like being in kind of a, a manufacturing environment and, and working in that sort of structure. So that coupled with the fact that I was still interested in BME and I had developed a, a huge amount of respect for my professors as an undergraduate student made me decide to go to graduate school. So I did my graduate training in the Department of Biomedical Engineering at Purdue University. I worked under a, a great professor named George Wadica and an acoustics professor named Stuart Bolton. And we were working on developing an, an acoustic guidance system for catheters. So basically like a, a forward-facing sonar system for catheters where you could see obstructions or bifurcations downstream of the catheter tip. Learned pretty quickly that there's some pretty big gaps in knowledge about how sound travels in liquid-filled tubes when the acoustical impedance of the tube wall itself is comparable to that of the medium. So my project was largely kind of an examination of sound propagation in these systems and modeling sound propagation in liquid-filled tubes. While a graduate student, I, I got pretty passionate and, and interested in teaching 
in being in the classroom with students, particularly undergraduate students. I had an opportunity to, to work under a great professor named Ann Rundell, who taught me a lot about being a, a classroom instructor, but also about how to develop a class, how to assess what's going on with the class, and how to refine things when they are going wrong or when you just want to improve. So I got that bug as a graduate student and kind of held on to me ever since. So as I was finishing up my graduate studies, even though I, I did go on to do a postdoc, my motivations were focused on being in the educational space, whether that be, say, like a middle or a high school teacher or, or someone that was guiding a science program, but preferably working with undergraduates like the fantastic students I got to work with at Purdue. So I did a postdoc for a couple of years in Indianapolis. I was working in a, in a basically an adult stem cell laboratory, got to do a lot of cell culture work, do animal experiments, got to work on a startup company. So lots of cool and, and kind of diverse experiences there. And I was fortunate when I was finishing my postdoc that a teaching position came up in the Department of Biomedical Engineering at Columbia University. So I was faculty, I was a lecturer in biomedical engineering at Columbia from 2009 through 2022. Had a very, very fantastic time. It's a great department, great people, great university, and just top-notch students. But in the, in the midst of kind of 2021, an opportunity came up to, to join biomedical engineering as a teaching faculty at Duke. And then talking to people around here and seeing the campus and getting to know students and being interested in what opportunities might be presented and coming to a different place, I decided to, to change things up a little bit and join the faculty here at Duke University. So once again, I'm primarily teaching design classes. I teach instrumentation. I do engineering education and outreach research. So I, I lead a program called Outreach Design Education, which focuses on design training and education for K through 12 students, particularly those from underserved communities. And I also work on how do we combine engineering design with computational thinking to enhance STEM education, primarily for underserved students. So kind of become a, a mixed bag of someone who is primarily a classroom instructor, but also an educate or an education research person as well. Awesome. Very comprehensive. Um, so we wanted to start off by asking, um, how do you think the Duke Engineering program compares to your experiences at Columbia and even your um, graduate and postdoc experiences at Purdue? Um, and also, mm -hmm. what were your first impressions since this was your first year at Duke? Sure. So, so far, I mean, my experiences have kind of aligned with my expectations. One of the reasons why, why I wanted to come here and why I would come here is because I, I become kind of spoiled by working with excellent students. I, I I'm not terribly interested in, in working with people that I got to like tell the folks to do this and tell you to do that and things like that. I, I want people who who want to be doing this sort of stuff and specifically within the design space. So, so far, things are pretty much aligned with my expectations. I had wonderful students at Columbia and, and so far the students, yourself included Priya, have been quite impressive to me as well. Like I said, I haven't had as much interaction like one-on-one -on -one work with students as I did in my previous place, but I think some of that is a product of just being a newer person, getting my feet under me, starting to lead classes here for the first time and just kind of getting the feel for everything. But so far, I'm pretty pleased. I, I'm pleased with kind of the, the willingness to, to try out this different way of doing engineering design, which 
is a bit of a deviation from what I think has been done previously here at Duke. I'm quite impressed with the technical competencies of the students here. I, I've got a lot of people that aren't scared to go into the machine shop or the, the collab or go into the pod and try some things out and have really shown me some, some pretty nice skills here, especially with regards to the development of say like electromechanical systems. And that is by no means a knock on my old Columbia students. It's just very nice to see undergraduates who are willing to get in there and get their hands on things pretty quickly here. The university overall has been extremely welcoming, extremely kind of supportive of what I'm doing. We just had our, our first event related to outreach design education a couple of weeks ago. And I will say, I think it was quite successful. And that's a large part of being here. I mean, I, I tried the, the same thing in New York in my last years there, and it was a crashing failure. So the fact that it, we were able to pull it off at all here, and it was what I think is such a success, really has gotten me pleased about kind of the, this environment and people's willingness to, to do the sort of work both in the classroom and outside of the classroom space. Awesome. Um, can you go ahead and remind us which two classes you're teaching? Sure. Uh, so at present, I am one of the instructors for EGR 101, which is first year design and engineering communication. Very cool class where we get a chance to, to work with first year students on design projects provided by the community and, and lead them to the design process. I am presently the, the instructor, one of the co-instructors for BME 473 and 474 which are medical device one and two classes. And my incarnation of medical device design involves students working through the entire, the entire process of innovation from uncovering some sort of biomedical need through development of robust and testable prototypes, as well as being considerate of business aspect, regulatory and reimbursement considerations that would go on with medical device development. I am unofficially at present an instructor for BME 354, which is medical device instrumentation. Although the hope is that in years to come, that I will be teaching one of the sections of instrumentation. I, I love doing circuits with undergraduate BME students and building up medical devices and things like that. So I look forward to, to kind of getting my hands on that course as well. Yeah, that one's very circuit heavy. As it should be. Every, every engineer, regardless of what comes in front of it, should have some circuits knowledge. I know that can be a little scary to folks sometimes, but it's yeah, a lot. I don't, I don't know if it was because of COVID, but um, that was where a lot of like the purely BME students, since I would BME EC, um, I was more familiar with working with the microcontrollers and coding, but a lot of the BME students um, were kind of struggling. Yeah, and uh, that's something that's confounded me for years. I mean, yes, COVID was definitely a challenge. I mean, I remember putting together all these kits and sending them out. And I realized the limitations of, on my skills as someone able to troubleshoot because I thought I could troubleshoot a circuit via Zoom. And yeah, you can do it, but it takes a very, very long time. So that showed me my limitations as an instructor. But even, even when we're in person, it, it's it's something that seems to be daunting. And, and I, I, I'm not quite sure why, given the the, the variety of skills that BMEs have to pick up anyway and usually do this with a great deal of aptitude. It seems like the circuit stuff, it's very hit or miss. The people that like it are, are really into it and they stick with it and they might become the de facto double E on their team. And the people that don't like it, just don't like it. And sometimes when we get into the design class, they might pick it back up. But I've seen a lot of people kind of steer clear of it. And I, I wish that wasn't the case. It's 
I, I remember when I took my first circuits course, yeah, it was a little intimidating, but once you start getting stuff going a little bit and it can be just a, the simplest of circuits, stuff will fall into place and it, it, it can instill a lot of confidence being able to build these things up and test them out and troubleshoot stuff. Yeah, so um, you mentioned you're one of the instructors for EGR 101, mm -hmm. which um, at Duke we kind of like to think that's pretty unique to us or something that we really highlight as part of the engineering program. So we wanted to get your thoughts on um, the program and how it's run, how effective it is, how it's planned out, and then also um, kind of your teaching philosophies and goals um, as far as engineering um, and kind of long-term having a hand in um, engineering education for students. So uh, EGR 101 is one of the things that sold me on coming out here. A few years back when I was at Columbia, I had a chance to, to work with first-year students and we had developed something like a design class for those that were interested in BME. And we first put together, I, I was... I was skeptical. It was just like, oh, how's this going to look? We're going to have students coming in here doing design projects. They don't necessarily have their, their technical knowledge. And how are we going to be able to, to translate that into anything? But I was very pleasantly surprised to see that younger students can, can really kind of sink their teeth into a design project and with a little bit of structure, some methodology behind it, it can really lead to some, some very fruitful outcomes. And there, I enjoy working with undergraduates in general. But working with first year students, it, it's just a great experience. Like maybe it's because there's that energy that people are coming in with and they're experiencing college for the first time versus folks that maybe are, are getting closer to the end of things. Again, haven't been able to put my finger on it, but it's a lot of fun. The structure of it, I think, is really impressive. I mean, the fact that all of these students are going through this process and there are different instructors involved, it's in different locations. What Professor Satterback has done is really fantastic in putting this together. And for somebody like me that is pretty conversant in design engineering and the education process, not necessarily needing a lot of guidance in terms of how to teach this stuff, but also having this structure that undergirds things that we're doing so that, you know, we're not trying to figure out what students are going to be in what place at a particular time, but more just saying, all right, come to the class, lead your students, lead them through their projects and get people into a space where hopefully they can have this first experience within engineering and design that will instill some confidence, will, will motivate them to, to pursue these things that come subsequent to these first experiences here. And I think that's tremendously important at a bunch of different levels that having these sorts of experiences are the things that can undergird a, an engineering identity, right? Being able to show that I can identify a problem, I can build something up and I, if something goes wrong, I can troubleshoot it, I can fix it, I can, I can turn it into something that goes from this problem to an idea to something that is tangible and that is working. And, and that, to me, is a, an important part of an undergraduate education. And that speaks to your second question, getting into teaching philosophy. That is largely why I really like, or yeah, really like teaching design courses is this notion of, of students being the ones that figure out what's wrong and solving the problems. That's perhaps my biggest motivation as an educator is that I want my students that come out of my classes to obviously have some technical competencies. We are engineers, we deal in programming and physics and sciences and things like this. I think that will come about naturally as, as a result of any engineering program. But what I really want from my students is to be able to couple a strong technical foundation 
with the ability to be the person that says, this is wrong, I can figure out a way to solve it, and I will solve it. And that is not just restricted to the technical or the biomedical space. If I have a student that goes on to something that's completely non-engineering beyond their time at Duke, I would hope that that design way of thinking about things will will be maintained and will be applicable in these different suites. So that philosophically is what I adhere to, is trying to train students up to be the ones that can identify problems that are the drivers of innovation. It's fine to be told to do something to get a problem set and to do it excellently. But I think the thing that separates an engineer that comes out of Duke or out of Columbia or any kind of top flight engineering program like what we have here is the ability to be the one to say what is wrong and to be able to use their engineering acumen to develop a a solution to that problem. Yeah, that's amazing. EGR 101 was one of my favorite courses. I remember coming in. That's the one that sold me on engineering for sure. That seems to be the common refrain. So that's another testament to what Professor Satterback has done, that this course that comes early on when people are getting their feet under them is the thing that, that folks appreciate most. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that everyone learns at some point in their engineering journey, for me personally, it was in 101, is coping with failure and having to have a product that fails and pivot on that failure. Um, so I kind of wanted to circle back for a minute because you described your outreach work at NYC as a burning failure, which I thought was interesting. Can you um, maybe talk a little bit more about what you were trying to do there, why you think it failed, and what changes you're making now that you want to implement something similar here at Duke? I will say that that was only one part of it that it was a failure. Most of it was largely successful. Yes, no, of course, but I'm still very interested in the whole. <laughs> so my outreach program is called Outreach Design Education. I call it ODE because maybe I'm a failed poet. The engineers call it ODE. So whatever you call it, just so long as you call it. So what I focus on, and this relates to my interest in design education overall, is using engineering design education and projects as a mechanism to get underserved students, that is underrepresented minorities or economically disadvantaged students, really excited about STEM learning, developing a STEM identity and persistence. So the the hallmarks of people being able to stay within these fields. And I like to do this through engineering design. It, It kind of loops into what I talked about earlier with regards to teaching design to first year students is that because the language of design is just plain English, right? It's not specifically technical. You can teach people how to be able to identify and and elucidate problems. And then you can kind of fill the technical gaps as you go along here to develop solutions to those problems. And I thought by giving younger students, especially students who might not come from the best schools, a chance to, to do this on their own, might be the sort of thing that could motivate them to pursue subsequent STEM classes to to major in engineering in college. When something goes wrong in that major, they don't just get knocked off course, but they can hearken back to these experiences that will be foundational in, in them creating this STEM identity. So we do this through three programs. And like I said, we started this stuff in New York and we're starting to, to translate it here to, to Durham. Um, the, the thing that has been kind of the, the baseline of all our programs that in the summer, we bring high school students to campus, introduce them to engineering design, have them develop design solutions to problems of their own identification. It is not dissimilar from what you, Priya, have been doing over the last two semesters in 473 and 474. It's condensed, a little simplified, but for the most part, the, the same experience. We want these high school students to see themselves on campus, to see them to be receiving materials, at the level of university instruction, 
hopefully so that when they do go to a place like Duke, it is not so intimidating. They can say, hey, I did this sort of thing before. Like, I, I don't really have anything to be scared of. So the, the goal of that is, again, introducing design, working on a project that they identify, creating kind of a, a low, eh, medium fidelity prototype that is testable, maybe has some aesthetic hiccups here and there, but for the most part is a, a good representation of what they would develop solution-wise. In parallel with the students being with us during the summer, we like to bring in grade six through 12 teachers to learn the design process in parallel with the students, assuming that they are not already familiar with engineering design. And we also work collaboratively with the teachers to develop content that they can take back to their respective schools. So the notion is that because engineering broadly and design specifically are becoming more and more integrated into the framework of K through 12 education, we're trying to empower teachers with these skills, specifically design skills, that they can take back to their schools and use that to create new engineering design courses or to integrate design concepts into existing classes. So for example, one of the things we've done pretty regularly is work with physics teachers and figure out ways to take their traditional physics classes and give them more of an engineering and a design flavoring, right? What is the problem that might motivate you for launching a ball off of this ramp at this particular angle? Or if you do start off with a problem, what is the, the process that you would go to to devise a solution to that problem? So that's during the summers. The thing that is novel, the thing that didn't work in New York, but is so far working very well here in Durham, is that we started working with middle school students by uh, what we call these design hackathons. So the hackathons are these short kind of quick hitter events that are meant to introduce grades six through eight students to engineering design, but more importantly, give them a chance to do a little bit of design work in terms of defining problems and brainstorming solutions, as well as doing hands-on activities such as uh, laser cutting, Arduino programming, very simple circuit building, low fidelity prototyping using kind of raw materials to build up some facsimile of their proposed solution to a problem. And again, this is meant to, to initially engage these students into design thinking and work with them on little projects that will hopefully motivate subsequent STEM pursuit, sub, subsequent participation in our high school age things, and will hopefully propel them to these engineering and science majors we're going for. The middle school stuff is novel. That's the part of the program that didn't work in New York. Most likely it, it didn't work due to the fact that we were just coming out of the pandemic People were pretty fatigued, weren't looking to add too much more to the plate, but brought it here to, to North Carolina. And there was a lot of excitement with uh, the, the schools that I proposed it to. And we had 18 kids here a couple of weeks ago. They were with us for a couple of days. We were working in the design pod. They did some really cool stuff. Like they, they came up with a bunch of problems related to a garden that is at Lowe's Grove Middle School. And we were able to, to kind of walk through some of the initial stages of the design process as well as to build up some low fidelity prototypes that would address the, the problems that they had uncovered. So, so far the, the translation efforts are, are going really well where I've got a, a pool of applicants for my summer program that I'm gonna be reviewing over the next couple of days. And the plan is from June 20th through July 20th this summer, we're gonna be bringing them to campus and we are going to be working through the design process with students from Durham, mostly Durham public schools, but basically throughout the triangle. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. That sounds like a great program. Um, I've had the privilege of working with some of the like middle school, high school students from the community um, over my time at Duke, and they are, they're always so eager to learn. Um, so they're yeah. great to work with. 
like I said, it was we had a, a really good time. It was exhausting because being with middle schoolers <laughs> for days on end takes a lot out of you if you're not used to it. But it was extremely rewarding, and I'm pleased how it turned out. Amazing. Well, I know you have to leave, so we won't take up more of your time. But thank you so much for um, speaking with us. I think this was um, a great interview. Yeah. This Engineering Life is brought to you and supported by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editors are Priya Juarez, Raina Verbensky, and Richard Kim. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audio Audix, and Kevin McCloy. Be sure to check back in two weeks for our final episode of the season titled Senior Reflections. From senior design projects to post-graduation plans, this will be one that you definitely don't want to miss. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Priya. I'm Raina. I'm Richard. And I'm Sydney. And this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon.